You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you've come to the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in. We've recently had a very, very lovely review come in via Apple Podcasts. So thank you very much for this one, um, Red's Gone Green. So Red's Gone Green from the US says that this is by far my favorite biz podcast to listen to, full of actionable tips that I can implement right away. Also, Chloe asks such great questions to the guests and then clarifies the answers so that there's no confusion on the listener's part. Well, I am blushing slightly as I read that out, but huge thank you to you for for putting that one up there, Red's Gone Green. And um, I am now feeling the pressure to live up to your review. So um, hopefully I will do just that in this episode. Because today I'm talking to Shane about content audits, blog strategy, and graphic design. Because this month we're all about content marketing. So, in today's episode, I'm talking to someone who's been there and done it, creating content strategies for B2C physical product retailers and also the hugely successful B2B e commerce software company, 99designs. Shane sharing how he handled a full content refresh at 99designs, including how they analyzed the past performance, how they put together the future strategy, how they updated and audited their past 3,000 blog posts. And of course, we get into how to improve the graphic design of your blogs too, because it's not just about the text. Get ready for a mix of performance, content design, and SEO. We're going to meet Shane in a second, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash master plan. Today, I'm chatting with content marketing expert Shane Tilly. Shane is head of marketing at 99designs, and he's been in marketing for over 15 years and has the perfect marketing aptitude list. A touch of nerd, a sprinkling of creativity, and a dusting of mathematician. So, as well as knowing how the numbers need to stack up, he's also very well-versed in how the right design can totally change the results of a content strategy. Hello, Shane. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Now, before we get into all that cool stuff around content strategy, how did you get into marketing? Well, into marketing. Um, so I had a, a, a more traditional marketing background. So my first marketing roles were classic direct marketing, where we sent a lot of letters, uh, where we made a lot of phone calls and we knocked a lot of doors. Uh, that was probably more than 15 years ago. Um, And then uh, by chance, I was given an opportunity for a very small company at the time called SciPoint, which was an online-only company, and I was asked to lead their marketing efforts of a team of me. Uh, And it was really an introduction into the the commencement of digital marketing and a different kind of marketing. Um, And it was a, a little bit of a a leap of faith from them and a leap of faith from myself. And, uh, you know, 15 years later, it's been a, a really, you know, remarkable journey to see 
how much the marketing ecosystem has evolved and really come to uh, where we started uh, almost 15, year, 15 years ago. Yes, it's, it's kind of, as someone who also started off with a lot of paper and a lot, a lot of money to the to the postage people, um, it, it's kind of interesting how the level of tracking we had back then now exists in so many different formats online, it, hence where the mathematician bit comes in. Yeah, it was um, it was beautiful. Just uh, you know, seeing the our ability to understand the impact of the work we were doing uh, in almost real time. I remember a magical moment in Google Analytics where we launched an EDM campaign, and I could see the number of people looking at that page right now, uh, and it kept going up and up and up, and it was just illuminating into the level of insights that we could gleam and how we could better serve our customers by observing what they were actually doing, as well as having them share their feedback to us. And we've uh, obviously we've learned from, you know, we continue to learn. We don't have all the answers. It hasn't illuminated everything, but, you know, just being able to, you know, see the impact of our work and and continue to iterate and optimize and do things better um, is you know, what's kept me around to a larger degree for, for, for a long period of time. And that's what we're here to talk about today, how to optimize your content marketing to take it to the next level. Because I think I've certainly over this year have worked with and advised a number of e-commerce businesses who are in that, that bizarre situation where they don't have enough stock to supply the demand. And so their marketing manpower has had to be shifted to these softer marketing methods. I mean, it's a lovely problem to have, but it's a very weird one when you're going, yeah, turn off the Google ads. No point in running them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pulling faces of, of shock here because I still can't believe we've done that in various places this year. But it's it's um, that's led to them moving to softer places like content and like social. And I think it, it's led to a recognition of something which we've all known all along, but a lot of people haven't paid attention to, which is actually there's doing content for the sake of content and there's doing content that actually delivers. Um, and within that, of course, is graphic design, which is what you're here kind of to major on on today, Shane. So why does the graphic design element have such an impact when when the internet works on text? Yeah, I mean, you can imagine, uh, you know, even go back in time and look at the the magazines and the publications that we that we read, or maybe even still read, and and you know, they were all styled in a different way. They all delivered information and content in different ways, and there were certain aesthetics and qualities that we really gravitated towards as individuals, depending on where we're at in our life. And it's the the same rules apply with the content that you create from a branding point of view. You know, are you trying to present your brand narrative in a certain way and make your readers or clients or customers feel a, a certain type of affinity when they they read what you are producing, whether that's on your own site, whether that's through your social media content creation and bringing design and branding thinking to the content that you pr- produce can really help amplify and give you a, a real point of difference and repeated, you know, branding impressions in the way in which you're aspiring to, to, to be with your, with your customers or clients. The other design consideration is helping people consume your content and actually taking a design thinking approach to um, making it very easy for people to read your blog post or your content and how do we communicate clearly with structure, with nice spacing, with good 
typography to really make sure that all the investment you put in creating this content doesn't get lost in illegibility or difficulty in actually reading it. We don't want to be putting out blobs of text that no one has time to, or the energy or the will to to, to, to work their way through. It's kind of like... If- I think back to um, when I first started off in this industry, you know, so like 15 odd years ago, we'd write impressively long paragraphs. And now a paragraph of more than one sentence is, is a rare beast, isn't it? Uh, because it makes it more readable. Yeah, I had a, an old mentor give me a rule of thumb many years ago about no paragraph should read more than three and a half lines. If it's more than three and a half lines, it's whatever comes next or the whole paragraph itself will probably not get read. So that's been a, a sort of, you know, sometimes you break those those rules and, and some long form content necessitates more than that. But, you know, that's your starting point. The other challenge I give my team and others when talking about content is I assure you in review and editing, you could say, the exact same thing you have produced in draft with half the words and it probably have more meaning. So reducing word counts to deliver the same value is an amazing thing. You know, you might get caught in the sort of SEO narrative of it's got to be as many words as possible, but I think that's a notion of a distant past and it's now how well can you communicate and deliver what people are looking for and pulling words out can actually be a virtue. Well, yeah, especially as, as you know, Google will be flipping to user experience as a key part of their, their search algorithm, that 10,000 word piece on how to reboot your computer is no longer going to be as powerful as the 100 word piece that shows you how to reboot your computer, is it? It's, it's Google are indexing on mobile and that's going to look horrible or even voice like these, like how to restart your PC, like I've got to be able to respond in language, and I can't do that with a 10,000-word step-by-step guide. So, you know, that shorter form, very direct answers to specific questions, you know, can be as formative in a modern content strategy as as that long-form approach that, you know, worked well and still in some instances does, but not always. It's interesting that you you mentioned about how do people actually read the content we're producing? Because we've, on this podcast, we've just done um, our social media month, where mm-hmm. the only time we really talked about content more than a tweet or an Instagram photo was when we were talking about the fact you need some content to talk about on social media, Yeah, which is such a, such a throwaway way of thinking about content because it takes time to research, to write, to pull together, to get the graphics, to edit it so it's actually usable, to set it up on the site, to launch it, to seed it, et cetera. And it, I think it's something which historically we've been quite bad about thinking about. You know, we were like, right, I have to put out one blog a month. Oh, I've done my blog. Brilliant. I'll go and work on something else for a couple of weeks and then I'll come back. And we don't actually, we're very bad about thinking about how people consume our content. I know that's something you've been doing a lot of looking into. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the gaps in the middle that's often overlooked. And I can understand why, because a lot of our focus is, cool, how many people are arriving? And that's great. And then, and then what do they go on and do? Do they go and read another piece of content or go and buy my product, ideally, or give me their email address? But understanding what's happening in the middle is really important to facilitating that transition in a meaningful way. Even at 99 for our own blog, uh, many years ago, we wanted to redesign it as you do. And the first question we asked ourselves was, 
at what point do people drop off? And we realized that such a small percentage of people actually got to the end and we had to take a hard look at the way in which we were presenting our content, the types of articles we were writing and how we were writing them, the way we used images and, and aspire to set a goal of improving that performance to increase the number of people so engaged in that piece of content that they get to the end. And that was a real um, masthead statistic for our blog redesign to make sure that we were actually fulfilling uh, that um, potential of that content to as many people as we could, knowing that that creates, uh, because we take a quality first approach, creates that sense of trust, that sense of affinity, and will ultimately drive people to either come back later or, you know, continue to explore uh, the 99designs ecosystem if it's, you know, the first time they've they've come. You said you, you did all this this piece. Did you come up with kind of like a rule book of these are the things a blog post I mean, we'll stick to blog posts for the time being because I think it's something which everyone can understand. Did you come up with like almost like a rule book of how to create a blog post more engaging? We we did. Um, it was complicated. So we first we had to understand <laughs> where people are dropping off. And then we looked at um, the different types of content we were creating and was there any differences in what people were getting through or not. And, and that helped shape, you know, listicles versus long form versus short form versus... Um, inspiration, lots of images, not many images. So we started to understand what types of content people were consuming more of and less of and sort of bring some of those design elements to other types of content to see if that would would help. We also looked at um, writers. So we use a diverse set of writers for our blog. It's not the same person, the same voice. And were there different writing styles that were getting more engagement than others and and start to sort of break down and interpret that. Um, and then we came up with a, a bit of an overarching strategy of kind of here's the type of writer that we're looking for and we're always recruiting new writers under that sort of thematic. Um, but also then defining, we call it um, a magazine article or a, or a book um, uh, chapter and we sort of create, allocate based on what demand we're trying to capture, whether this needs to be a magazine or whether it can be a book, whether it needs to be a book and have a much more significant investment. So we got very granular with the types of content we create, who writes it and all the different visual elements that we would place to, to really optimize around that um, reading experience. And I mean, the moment we did that, we started to see an amazingly positive response from from Google, from search, when we were showing them that this was the place to actually fulfill upon that, you know, that thing that that person was looking for. And, you know, we've grown significantly, you know, since since that change was put in place. I like that because it's something which anyone can do. We can all look at our past blogs and go... Oh well, this is one where we just talk about new products. This is one where we talk about behind the scenes, and this is one we talk about a lookbook. Mm-hmm. And I think every e-commerce business has got got a mix. If they actually went back and looked to see what those different ones are, to then go, which ones get the views? Which ones get the bounce bad bounce rates? Which ones get the dwell time? Yeah, and just that simply, you can go. Well, no one cares when we say new product, but everyone cares when we go behind the scenes. Let's do more behind the scenes. It's such a simple thing. Yep, yep. And you might still need to fill some of the content voids in the user journey with particular types of content like reviews and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like to, to fulfill um, a branding, you know, execution, all that sort of stuff. It's it's absolutely, you know, look at all the other, I guess the other 
caution, I would say, as you start to explore some of these engagement metrics is to not just look at sort of time on site, to actually look at like where people are getting to because I can open a blog post and sit there for five minutes whilst doing 18 other things and it still looks as though I'm there. Um, you can use Google events to track, cool, I just got to 25% of the page. Yay, I just got to 50. Yay, I just got to 70. Yay, I got to the end. So you can actually build um, different uh, trigger points throughout the page to help you understand where they're getting to rather than are they just sitting on you know, your, your introduction and you know, tweeting on, on Twitter or browsing Facebook. Yeah, I, I love it when you can get to those kind of stats because I think a lot oftentimes people dwell on bounce rate. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yes, bounce rate is a measure of how good your content is. It's also a measure of how accurately the thing that drove the person to that page did at driving them at a good page. It's like on I, I'm gonna be gonna fess up here. My website, ecommercemasterplan.com, has almost always as its best but most visited page, a page which relates to the first book I wrote, which is about the five e-commerce business structures. So mail order, marketplaces, online only, et cetera, which for some unknown reason ranks really well and has done for years on a Google search for e-commerce business structure, the rest of the page of which is people looking for team structure, not business type. And so lots of people click to it and are wildly disappointed, (laughs) wildly disappointed by my content. But it's not the page's fault. It's because Google, for some unknown reason, wants to rank me for this. And so we we can't wholly rely on that bounce rate. So if you can get those those events set up, it's groundbreaking in really understanding your content. And you you, you touched on a really fascinating point is eventually Google figures that out. Like that post will rank until Google realizes that this is not the best destination for me to send people searching for that. It'll, It'll start to understand the missed intent because it'll look at who goes back to Google and goes to the second result or the third result or searches for something slightly different because the context that Google thinks you're looking for is wrong and it'll it'll learn. And and I talk content strategy being a long-term investment, you know, understanding how you produce and present a piece of content to meet an intent better than anyone else in the world will mean you'll have a future-proofed content strategy that will continue to deliver value long after um, the initial, you know, success that you might be feeling now and and all good long-term content strategies start with a core of being able to produce and present a piece of content that delivers against an intent better than anyone else. And, um, you know, it's exciting to be part of teams that are able to find that, um, uh, that groove. And it's very hard to, um, to, to have that uh, traffic taken away. And I, I love the fact you bring up that long-term strategy because um, one of the things I've written down that I really need to ask you is, when you did this big content review, did you then go back and amend posts that were already live to bring them up to spec? Yeah, that was one of the very first things we did was a, a, a content audit, we called it. So we looked at everything we had produced across many years. Um, 99 Designs had, had been around at that point for, I think, seven or eight years. So a lot of accumulated, accumulated content debt. Um, and we, we looked at every single blog post we had and went, okay, what do we want to rewrite? Because it's great, but it's irrelevant. What do we want to just let go? Because it was some random tidbit about an event that no one cared about and we just deleted it. 
Um, and then what do we want to consolidate? So posts we want to bring together because, you know, they meet a broader intent or something like that. So we cleaned up our content debt as a part of that reinstantiation of our, of our blog. And that was really important. Um, and we, we, you know, we looked at of the, you know, the reason we produce this content might be in this case to rank for a particular term, like who was ranking and what were they writing that we weren't and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was a very rigorous over 3000 posts at that point, you know, one by one, actually ticking, crossing, moving um, as we look to inject new life into our, to our blog. Um, and in terms of patience uh, to maybe, Put fear, but also excitement at the long-term viability. We set out on a three-year journey of rebuilding our blog from the ground up. Um, and, you know, that's the time we set ourselves to get good at this again. Uh, and we turned what was about 50 to 60,000 first-time visitors a month to our blog to over a million uh, in that three years. So, you know, that was the the, the journey just our blog went on. Um uh, over a long period of time. Wow. And there'll be a lot of people going, three years. Uh, I knew content strategies were long-term things, but three years. I guess you've you've said that the, you know, you changed who you were writing, what who was writing, what you were writing. You went back through three thousand odd posts. Well, it's clearly not something that's gonna happen overnight, is it? But what was the did you think new content or past content was the core one to fix first uh past content because we wanted to um it's it's have a good quality signal for our blog we wanted everything that was indexed that a visitor saw was great and we wanted to reduce that sort of signal to noise ratio of of good to frankly not very good uh in point <laughs> really make sure that anything anyone read you know uh, delivered value, but also told Google we delivered value and to, to to make, you know, that strike rate as high as possible. Then build the faith, build the cool. Nine Out Designs, whatever they create is great and serves value. So I'm going to give them a bit of the benefit of the doubt in the new stuff they create and give it a shot quicker. Uh, and what we found, the result was we were ranking faster with the new stuff because the old stuff was actually, you know, consistently good. Um, and not, don't be afraid to delete a bad post that's not creating value for you, even though you might have really enjoyed producing it um, because it could be costing you more than it could be helping. And 301 redirecting it, I'm guessing, too. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Oh, for the most part. I suppose you have to have someone to 301 redirect it too, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we've 301 redirected everything. I mean, we're going to get a bit SEO-y in the moment, but 301 everything. But um, we we wanted to make sure we had a good alternative or we just 301 it to the main blog page and we did get some soft redirects where Google's like, yeah, we know this new one isn't really like the old one. And, you know, so we had, to, we had some cleanups to do. So we did some... Four tens, which is, hey, Google, this content no longer exists and never come back um, to, to make sure our, our indexation was healthy. I just wanted, I didn't want to discuss two SEO. That was perfect. But I just didn't want anyone to go, wow, we no longer sell dog food. Let's just delete everything on dog food and leave it hanging. That's probably um, sound advice. <laughs> you know? advice. Yeah, you want to you gracefully eliminate a page, not flippantly uh, for sure exactly I, I don't want people coming in we did what you and Shane said yeah. and <laughs> I'm like oh so we had we had to add in that little health warning around deleting deleting blogs but I one of the things which 
it strikes me, especially when I look at my own blogs, which are dire for this, I'm terrible at this, is these days I expect to see quite a large number of images as we go through a blog post. And having you know been thinking about this month of content that we're doing at the moment, actually, I find that I want those images to feel like I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm on someone's site, which is normally graphics and illustrations, and suddenly there's some hideous corporate stock photography, which just doesn't, hideous because it doesn't fit, um, I should say, uh, that tends to jar. So are there, are there some kind of rules of thumb you can give, give the guys listening on how to get the graphics right? There's two ways. One is to do it yourself. And I would really encourage you to come up with a style guide, a branding guide for the content that you produce, which should be a, a natural extension of your brand um, assets and your own brand guide. So to, to create a version that's a blog post or a social media post and to kind of know and be able to define and articulate what that is. And then two directions. One is you can go and get help. Um, and I'm happy to share sort of our structure because we invest as much in design as we do in the words. And, and I'll talk to that in a minute. Or if you can do it yourself to build out templates to get consistency. So to use um, a tool like Canva, for example, and have, you know, your hero image in your colors, in your style, in your theme, just to create that consistency and that repeatability. Um, alternatively, you could look to engage with a designer. You could come to 9 Designs. There are many of them and actually talk to someone and, and either work on a, a post-by-post basis or, or, you know, um, go on a more like ongoing relationship where you might say, cool, we're going to produce three of these a month and we'd love you to create the hero image and the images images for us, you know, and, and sort of work work with them uh, long-term. So we have a 99 Designs designer on our platform who creates all our blog images for us. You know, we use our own platform. The other thing we have is a formatter. So we, we have a formatter whose job it is is to lay out our blog posts beautifully for us. It's like a typesetter, like a, a layout. You know, when we produce newspapers, I'm not sure the te- technical word, but they'd take all the articles and sort of lay them out into into a design. It's the same thing. So someone comes through all our content and just lays it out beautifully and make sure it does honor our um, content production style guide and and really make sure that we put our best foot forward. Now, that might be a bit over the top and difficult initially, but once you start to create some tangible value from your content, then reinvest in it and look to, you know, to to bring some of that typographic and layout um, consideration to the stuff you produce. But, you know, uh, find some good help to do that would be my advice. I love the fact you said you've got the kind of that blog layout person who does all of them, because I think it, it's, Having having run businesses where I have multiple people writing blog posts, the lack of consistency used to drive me insane. And trying to teach everyone what to H tag, where to put images, what the images should look like, how to resize the images, how to tag the images and all the rest of it was an absolute nightmare. So I love the idea of even in the smallest business, you can nominate someone as the person who puts those blog posts up. And that must that did just create so much more consistency from a brand and a reader readership. Yeah, like if I was to say, come and write and share some of your insights on 99 Designs, Chloe, I'd be saying, cool, like I want you to focus on the story you want to tell. Don't worry about the layout, the composition, how to break it down. We're going to help you with that. I just want to get as much of your wisdom of, as your insights out into a doc and then let 
the professionals who know how to turn that into a beautiful, you know, laid out visual story help you tell that in a more profound way. But I don't want you wasting a second uh, of your time on that. So, yeah, yeah, and I guess that consistency um, maintains that, preserves that quality. Um, you know, it's good for a number of reasons. And you, you mentioned in investing there. So would you spend as much time and effort on the layout and the graphics as you would on the text itself? Not, it's probably about a third we invest to what we would pay for the, pr- the production. So yeah, it's, we, we invest the most in the writing and the words itself because you no know, you know, content can't exist without it. But yeah, we, so we probably invest about a third more on top of that to, to design and present it in a beautifully consistent way. So all of you out there who spend two hours writing it and five minutes loading it up, that should be an hour. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I mean, then you should probably spend three hours distributing it, but we can get into that at a different point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll hold off on di- on distribution today um, because simply because uh, I think we've covered a lot a lot of great stuff there, Shane. So we're now going to pause for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we'll be talking about the wider world of content marketing. Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS, and personalized website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Shane, so far we've gone deep into the power of our content, getting people to read it and the uh, the strategy of doing our content, content reorganizations, I suppose. So now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of content marketing. For the, so for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with content marketing, which of course does include everything we've already talked about. So Shane, you ready for these? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's start with content marketing newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with content marketing, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Cool. So I think number one is know where your audience is, you know where they're consuming content. And that's really important in understanding where you should focus your attention. Uh, I use a really good example. I spent some time with an equestrian retailer. Uh, and they wanted to increase their content production schedule. I'm like, cool, that sounds great, awesome, I love it. Where are you going to put it? And they wanted, for some reason, for it all to be on Twitter. I'm like, Twitter, 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 Twitter. I'm like, doesn't intuitively make, make sense. Let's go and talk and see how many equestrian people are on Twitter. And it was com- comparably really small to somewhere like Facebook. And we explored it. And it's like, well, uh, horse enthusiasts are often riding their horse. They don't have lots of little points of time. They're like focused in another area. They get to an evening and then they go and look at beautiful pictures on Facebook. And it's like, okay, cool. This is where your content strategy needs to live because no one's talking about horses on Twitter. They're all doing it on Facebook. So lean to that when it comes to producing you know, great content. So know where your audience is. Um, and then secondly, produce value, not just content. We just spoke about how to you know think about the value of your content, not 
you know, and the value in it over, you know, how many leads and sales you might ultimately get. Be super patient. You know, we had a three-year run rate. You should see, you know, results much sooner than that, but, you know, the end is is potentially eternal. So just be patient, um, you know, understand that a well-produced piece of content that ranks well can continue to deliver value for years to come, like the piece of content you mentioned before, um, Chloe. So it's not about SEM where it's like, I pay for an ad, how much does that turn into a customer? You can actually think a lot more long-term. Um, distribute, which we won't talk about, but be ready to go and share your content in various ways in various places. Uh, rule of thumb is about 50-50 production to distribution is how I approach uh, a lot of our key uh, content pieces. And then finally, build systems, build repeatable systems. So understand the workflow of how to turn a piece of content into a reality systemize it so you can repeat and optimize and keep actually making creating content easier and cheaper and more effective every time you do it and that over a long period of time can can be quite magical i love that last point in particular because i think a lot of people think that content has to be think of it as an art rather than a science and i think that means they forget that they can systematize it okay now once you've started of course you've got to keep optimizing so what's your favorite way to improve content marketing performance so it's to have the right measures in place and i've spoken a lot about optimizing inside the content but what i also really encourage people to do is is understand what value means for you so it might be leads it might be sales it might just be brand affinity uh, and that's okay. So to start with your um, North Star of an outcome of value and then work back from there and have measures in place to go, cool, in order to get a lead, they've got to give me their email address. Okay, how do I how do I prompt for an email address and what's the right way to do that? Okay, cool. I've got to get them to that prompt, you know, and 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 work backwards and really start to um, you know, knowing that some of your big improvements might be further down that journey, you know, so it's not always about traffic. It could just be about um, an elegant way to ask for someone's email address or a relevant way or a different way and, and sort of be ready to optimize at any part of that reader turned client turned customer journey. But you've got to understand ultimately what your value is um, or you'll end up just creating content for content's sake. And that's never good for anyone. No. And it creates, an, when you have to go back and do an audit, it creates an awful lot of stuff to trudge through as well. Yeah, like, like 3,000 really challenging posts to go through one by one and critique <laughs> and decide what to do with them. That sort of pain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Save your future self. Only create content that, that fits with what you're trying to get people to do. We can send this uh, podcast back a few years in time and, uh, and, uh, Put that somewhere in my vicinity. Yep, I love it. Yeah, no, no I like that idea. Time traveling podcast. Um, okay, it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance. But the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming. So, what for you is the number one content marketing KPI? It's long term return on investment, and I say that with a very deep level of I even attribute my own time and and I put a value to that and I. Pay, pay myself and, and make sure that the time I'm investing in the content that we're producing and the distribution we make and the hosting bill we pay and everything we do at a channel level is, is getting better and better. So I look at all our content and go, cool, what, what's the channel return on investment? And it might be 
not profitable to begin with, but it builds on itself and then starts to actually get to a, a positive return on investment. Then you might invest in creating more content. And, and so, yeah, it's really just making sure you're costing everything in your production processes, including your own time, and then understanding what the value is of the, 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 the value you get out of that, you know, um, uh, interest and visitation you get. Excellent. Uh, I love the bit about putting some value against time because I think a lot of people think content is free. It so isn't free. It's not um, free. <laughs> it's not free. And it's stopping you from doing something else. And is that a more effective use of your time or not? So, yeah, understanding your own effective hourly rate and applying that to everything you do is a really kind of critical part of, you know, of your own time management as much as, you know, growing your business. Yeah, which is a great a great stick to force you to delegate and systematize as well. It's super hard. It's really hard, particularly with content you love to talk about. And you're like, I really want to labor over this piece of content for 10 hours because I want to share my wisdom with the world. But like that's starting to add up really quickly when you've got to double that or add a bit more on distribution. And then you've got to find maybe help to get it formatted beautifully. And, and you know, so it can be a trap at times as well. Oh, yes. Okay, finally, it's crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months we should be getting ready for with our content marketing? Uh, I think um, voice is a big one. So, uh, you know, this is a, a sort of an interesting SEO nuance is like being able to produce content that can be used in a voice response. And I think that's really exciting and challenging um, and shorter is better. You know, getting to the point is better. Uh, I think um, beyond that, it's just all the different uh, choices we've now got to produce content, whether that's from your traditional blog strategy through to getting all up in TikTok. You know, there are so many different places to house our content and, and being really good at knowing where greatest value long-term comes from and, and, you know, A, from knowing where your target market is, as a starting point, but just knowing exactly where biggest bang for buck will come because we have quite a, a big team and, and it's exciting, but even we struggle to keep across all the different social platforms, all the different, you know, global markets. It's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a challenge for everyone. Yeah. And far better to do one well than lots badly. And I couldn't agree with you more, um, you know, go and own a channel rather than spread yourself too thin because, you know, they're an old adage of like be great at one thing or horrible at many. And <laughs> a harsh reality of the competitive of, of, of content, you know, whatever you're thinking about writing tomorrow, a thousand other people are probably already working on it today. So, you know, being exceptional in one way, in one place can really help you stand out. And then, own that space and then look to expand in time. And that's the patience um, uh, and allow others to play in other areas is also hard at times as well. Love it. Okay. Shane, we're very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and 99designs on the web and social media, please? So I think we have um, even created a special URL, but you can find uh, 99designs at 99designs.com. If you do forward slash keep dash optimizing, I think we've got a special offer for everyone. So you can go and enjoy that. Uh, you can find me um, on Twitter uh, a little bit at, at Shane T, but uh, you're better off uh, visiting me at shanetilly.com Shane and dropping me an email. It's uh, You're much more likely to get a response. 
<laughs> available everywhere, but fastly available on <laughs> via Twitter and email. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Shane, thanks so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast today for putting together that special offer for our listeners as well, because I'm sure that's going to get a few of them um, giving 99 designs a go. Um, and in the show notes, we'll add a link to my blog post of how I've used 99 designs to uh, to come up with my podcast logo. So if you're looking at your phone right now, that logo you're seeing, that is a piece of 99 designs work. And um, I couldn't have come up with it without them, as you will discover when you read the blog post. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for you all. So, um, so Shane, thanks so much for coming on. It's been fascinating talking content with you. So, um, so thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, didn't we cover a lot with Shane there? We talked about content audits, what to do with the old stuff, how to get your house in order, how you can go about building your rule book of who, what, the focus, what you need things for. Uh, we talked graphics, of course, because the way it looks is key. Template tools like Canva or a system like 99designs are particularly good. We talked about running crowdsource competitions to find your ideal design and designer. Um, and... Uh, he also shared that great piece of advice, I thought, around the fact that your creation should be two-thirds text, one-third graphic and layout, and then spend all that time again on distribution. Now, if you want to get the great offer we mentioned uh, so you can give 99designs a go yourself, then you'll find all that at 99designs.com forward slash keep dash optimizing with an S, of course. Um, you can get the links to that offer and everything else we discussed and the full transcript of this episode and much more at keepoptimizing.com. Remember, with an S, not a Z. I actually had one of the listeners telling me it was with an S, not a Z this week. So clearly that message is starting to get through. Um, repetition, all about the repetition. Well, look, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, then do check out our recent social media episodes where we touch on how to distribute your content, which of course is going to really help you build on everything you're learning in our content month. Please do also tell your fellow marketers about the show because it's my aim to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. And I can't do that if we're not all spreading the word and getting them listening. So have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.